Ladies and gentlemen, drivers, gig workers, and everyone in between, welcome to this Week in Rideshare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Hoffa. It is Friday, March 24th, 2023, and this week, Illinois and Uber clash. AB5 is back on the chopping block, and a Connecticut bill offering drivers $36 an hour. Legal Rideshare breaks it down. And of, com- of and of course, from Legal Ride Chair, I'm joined by co-founder and lead attorney, Bryant Greening. Bryant, happy Friday. Happy Friday. It's great to be back. Yes, it is great to be back. Last week was a lot of uh, positive news. This week is a little mix, but uh, not all down, but we're gonna, we'll jump into it and, and we'll weigh in here. So we'll start with Monday. Uber is threatening to leave Illinois if a new bill is passed. Now, this is from mystateline.com. They reported, quote, a bill in the state capital would remove the exception of drivers of rideshare apps like Uber and Lyft to be classified as common carriers. The bill follows a recent high profile Illinois court case in Dover's Lyft. A woman in Chicago was allegedly sexually assaulted by her Lyft driver. She tried to sue the driver, Lyft and the company used by Lyft for background checks. But, argue, uh, but Lyft argued at the time that since their drivers were defined as common carriers, they weren't liable for damages. Uh, so obviously Lyft is against this bill. Uber is also against the bill and argued if the bill becomes lo- uh, law, it may cause them to end service in some parts of the state and impact service for users in the state. Uh, now, Brian, we've heard this before, you know, the threats of leaving. I would love to hear your side of this, especially from the legal standpoint. Uh, what's going on here? Yeah, this is actually a really big deal. So when Uber and Lyft and the other gig companies lobbied to come into the state, you know, a decade ago or so, um, they fought really hard to not be classified as common carriers. Um, that is a standard that is often used for buses, trains, um, public transportations, uh, you know, th- things of that nature that have a, lo- a lot of times government involved. Um, And the reason why it's such an important classification is that common carriers have the highest duty of care to the people who use the services. That means that the companies need to do really everything that they can to make sure that the service is safe and that people don't get, get injured as a result. And if they don't take those measures, they are potentially liable for uh, the damages, whether it's an injury from an accident, an injury from a, from an assault, or, or really whatever else you can think of. What the current standard requires is that Uber and Lyft act as reasonable people, reasonable members of society. Did they do what we would expect a responsible organization or person to do? That is a much easier standard for them to meet than that highest duty of care, so that they have a real reason to be um, interested in maintaining the status quo and not having their duty of care change um, because there's real dollars on the line. So this isn't just a, a blank threat. It sounds like this would really hurt their pockets. And, and um, what's interesting too is, of, of course, and it actually makes sense to me now, they're arguing, Lyft especially is arguing, hey, listen, only 0.0002% of their rides have a registered safety incident. But remember, they're pulling that off of their own data of the safety report they gave out. 
Right. We can't really trust those numbers, first of all. And second, if you look at the number of people who use the bus system every day or the train system every day, I would imagine that the the percentages of people who get injured during those events are very low as well. But it doesn't change the fact that there's a higher duty for safety. It encourages the companies and those organizations to take proactive measures to keep people safe. And really, over the years, we've seen that safety is an issue in rideshare. And and personally, I think that the company should be responsible for using everything that they have at their disposal, their technology, their data, you know, whatever else, that, whatever other information uh, and, and resources that they have to keep people safe. And maybe this is the kick in the butt that they need to do that. Yeah, I agree. This Maybe this hopefully shocks them into the realization of using, like you said, the tech that they have to, to keep people safe. And actually, it kind of leads into Tuesday's story, which, in fact, they are using the tech in a different way, but they're using it to stop older victims from being scammed. This is from WESH2. So they reported there's a scam where these people would call uh, older victims and say, hey, your grandson's been arrested. He ran into a woman and needs $10,000 of bond to get him out of jail. In this fraud scheme targeting the elderly, the criminal would then send an Uber or other ride-sharing service to pick up the money. So what happened here is Uber engineers created an alert system for that digital fingerprint, pretty much covering 1 million global trips every hour. So with this digital fingerprint turned on, when something like this happens, and in this case specifically, once it was turned on, an alert came through Brevard County and alerted the sheriff's office. They were able to find that person, stop the money from getting dropped off and and arrest the person responsible. And this is from the Brevard, Brevard County Sheriff's Office of Public Information. So actually, at least in this case, they are, they are finally you know, using their tech to say, hey, there's scammers out there and we can flag them pretty much instantly. Yeah. First of all, bravo to Uber for using this technology to help make a difference in the community. We, we want to give credit where credit is due and, and we certainly appreciate that they're using uh, the technology that they have um, to prevent scams and, and keep people uh, safe and, and hopefully bring people to justice uh, you know, when required. Um, on the other side of the coin, however, I, I think like you alluded to, this just shows that they have the technology to make a difference. And we would like them to be proactive in using their resources to keep people safe and also responsive when things do go wrong. Uh, one of the criticisms that we hear about often and that we really experience firsthand is Uber and Lyft and the other gig companies often serve as roadblocks in investigations of criminal activity. They don't share information or data. They require to go through the court system and they don't turn anything over uh, without a subpoena. You know, when the police ask for something, these companies should hand it over because people's lives and safety are at risk. Uh, and this is just an example of them being willing to to be proactive, and and I I hope that they use this as a model for um, you know future instant incidents and and uh, you know opportunities. I mean, it wasn't even this just reminds me of the situation. It wasn't that long ago in Chicago, and I believe it was Lyft. You know, they had just announced that they're offering this sort of new nine one one service that drivers could get instantly to get help if something happens. And it was all recorded, that driver 
uh, a first off being shot at and then beaten in his car. He did every he went through lifts nine one one service. No one ever came. So it's just like you said. It it's the tech is there. They hold out so often, and then when they say, "Hey, this is the best," you know, we have this great safety features. They fall apart. Yeah, nothing is perfect, and we understand that that the technology can't save everybody every time. But the fact that they are showing this, at least in this instance, that the technology can be successful should be motivation to enhance the technology, to share information when it when it becomes available. These companies have a hand in so much of our everyday life and so much of our society. I think they have an obligation to use their resources for good. And, and this is an example of them doing that. And, and we hope that, you know, the, the flame becomes a fire and, and they do it all the time. Absolutely. Now let's head on to Wednesday. AB5 is back on the chopping block. This is from Freight Waves. They reported, quote, a lawsuit against AB5 brought by Uber, Postmates, and two of their gig drivers failed in a lower federal court in 2020, but has been partially revived on appeal. The partial reversal of the lower court case is handed down Friday by a three-judge panel of the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of, of Appeals. So with this reversal, the efforts by Uber, Lyft, uh, and in this case, Postmates, pushing back against implementing AB5 for app-based drivers, and they scored two major victories in one week. So basically, one of the central arguments of Uber and Postmates centers on the long list of exemptions for specified industries that were approved either in the original AB5 legislation or later. Many of these were added to the list after some initially non-exempt industries kind of found themselves in chaos under AB5. They list foreign language translators were a major example. So the appellate court decision lists all the groups exempted in what amounts to almost a roll call. A lot to digest here. Personally, I thought this was already done and done, but it sounds like they're just still trying to to completely erase this. Yeah, what's going on in in California is just the legal term is, I think, a real cluster. (laughs) You know, it's... (laughs) Um, nobody really has a sense as to what workers are entitled to. And there's a couple, you know, the AB5 was went through and then Prop 22, and now there's litigation on both of them. And um, I think this is just an example of we need some consistency. We need to know what rideshare drivers and gig workers are in the employment sphere. Are they independent contractors? Are they employees? Is there some new quasi you know employee relationship that needs to be created um I, I think that the federal government needs to get involved and and just sort this out because otherwise we're going to have company against worker and frankly everybody's going to be unhappy unhappy as we're seeing play out in, in california and we just need some guidance and and um hopefully some basic protections uh for the workers that's really what this comes down to let's make sure everybody's treated fairly you know, please tell me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds like the issue and it's it's a winning issue here for Uber and Lyft about AB5 is it sounds like the, the initial proposal AB5 was too broad and they started apparently a piling in other, you know, industries, which then it actually backfired in those industries and they didn't want it. So then Uber said, hey, look, this isn't working for them. Is, is that what's going on here? Yeah, well, AB5 was initially very broad, and it was bringing in uh, all sorts of independent contractors like 
writers and actors um, and construction workers and all sorts of things that um, you wouldn't think would have been included in that in the language of AB5, which was really supposed to be directed at the gig space. Um, so there, there's a lot of aftermath because during that period of time, there were protections for those workers or rights of those workers and um, responsibilities of employers. And some of that stuff is still playing out in the court system because there were people who were entitled to things during that time or people who lost things during that time. Um, and then Prop 22 comes and changes everything. And, you know, that's why it's so complicated because there's like two laws at issue right now, the previous one and the, the, the new one. And <laughs> there wasn't that much space between them. You know, right, it was right. like one was created and then a short period of time later it was reversed. Um, so there's, there's just a lot of, of issue here. This is all going to get sorted out quickly because I mean, I guess not quickly, but in, in due time, because there, there's a pretty small period of time in which these laws were actually in existence. Um, but the overarching theme here is let's sort it out. Let's figure out what everything means. Let's figure out who these workers are employed by or not employed by. And, and let's just make sure it's fair. So the, the legislatures and the courts have, have a lot of work cut out for them. But, but hopefully it's resolved sooner than later. Totally. Stop the chaos, people. Everyone wants to work. That's all they want. <laughs> We're heading to Thursday. This is a feel-good story. Uh, an Uber driver in Tampa is being hailed a hero. This is from WFLA. They reported a Tampa man is calling his Uber driver a hero for jumping into action after a driver crashed their vehicle right in front of them. Uh, the passenger said this red Toyota Tacoma comes flying and it flipped two or three times in the air. It lands uh, in one lane of traffic. Uh, the passenger then said his Uber driver pulled over and jumped out when he heard someone cry for help. He didn't hesitate to basically pull them out of the car and get them to safety. Um, so yet, yet again, showing that Uber drivers are certainly more than just carting people around there. You know, they're checking the safety of their passengers and others. Yeah. This is one of those stories where we feel really proud to be in the rideshare space. Uh, this driver stepped up, uh, he saw something, somebody that needed help, and you know, there, there's really not much else to say other than we are ecstatic that he did um, what he did, and, and we're really proud um, to be associated with uh, with his community. Yeah, it's one of those things where Uber specifically says, "Hey, we're not a transportation company." And it's like, I guess not. You're also breeding heroes now. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just the level it's at at this point. These drivers are doing everything. You know, saved right. us during the pandemic, saving people out of cars. Kudos, guys. It's always good yeah. to hear these stories. I, I, I think we just say thank you. That, yeah. that, that's all we can say when, when we hear a story like this. Exactly. All right, we're going to wrap up the week here Friday. Uh, good news for drivers is a new proposal in Connecticut, which would pay drivers $36 an hour. This is from CT Insider. They reported drivers who deliver food and groceries would be paid $36 an hour plus $1.30 per mile. This is under legislation that heads to the state Senate. Um, this would also, it looks like it would infect 500 employees, any, anything with 500 employees or more. Um, now it's moving to the state House of Representatives. The scheduling bill would require employers to notify workers of their you know, coming hours in two weeks in advance and force them to pay workers half their pay for each hour lost. Um, there's a lot into this story. 
Um, obviously, there's pushback, and, and some of the counter arguments to 36 hours an hour are, well, then it's not competitive. The companies won't make money. You know, the whole song and dance we've heard before. So, I don't know, Brian. Yeah, what do you think? We've we've heard this before. Uh, I think there's going to be this continued back and forth as to what's the right amount of money to to insure a gig worker. Um, as we've said time and time again, we can't sit here and tell you what that number is. I can't say it's you know twenty five dollars an hour, fifty dollars an hour, or anywhere above or in between. But what we need to figure out is is a safety net. We have to ensure that drivers are guaranteed a livable wage, that there's a minimum income that they make. Um, you know, at the very least, that they they know what they're going to walk away with each day or each week because otherwise how do you survive um there are so many expenses that come into this business you know gas wear and tear in the vehicle things that you you wouldn't even expect like cleaning fees when somebody vomits in your car that that doesn't always get reimbursed by the company so i love seeing that there was a, a group of drivers and and people in in this community who lobbied and and um you know, are, are working towards better uh, environments and, and uh, better working conditions for their drivers. And I, I would just say, let's keep fighting. Uh, $36 is nothing to scoff at. So that's great. We're excited for them. Let's go to the next community community and try to get $36 for them too. If not more, if not, you know, paid time off, if not uh, sick leave, you know, wh- whatever it is that the drivers feel they need, let's fight for it. And this is an example of the fighting Absolutely. And I feel like the last couple of weeks specifically, we're starting to see that we've talked about this numerous times. We're starting to see the sort of uh, state by state, even county by county push for these sort of, hey, listen, we can't we we're trying to we're fighting for a livable wage. And we're seeing the local government step up and say, you know what? Yeah, it's time to address this. I also think it's hilarious that you know, 36 hours an hour, a lot of times an Uber Lyft is going to yell and say, oh, my God, we can't afford that. But then the same breath, they'll tout that, that the driver's already making that or you know, they're making $35 an hour. So which one is it, Uber and Lyft? Right. They talk out of both sides of their mouth and they're always going to fight for their bottom line. We understand that they're a company that that's what companies do. Um, but the the gig environment is capturing so many workers. It's such a large percentage of our community. Um that there just needs to be some rules in place. It's been too long that it, it's the wild, wild west out here where the companies get away with whatever they want. Everybody else is regulated in some way. Everybody else has to follow certain rules. And I I just don't understand how the gig companies have evaded those rules for so long. So let's just set some standards, make it a, a fair playing field for everybody know what workers are getting themselves into so that they can make decisions as to whether this is the right job for them and and go from there it just seems like it's in everybody's interest yeah one word to sum it up is just consistency i think everyone would be happy with that right all right well yeah that is the end of this week i'm going to give it to you brian before we sign off and just yeah give you the floor yeah, as we head into the weekend, I just want to remind everybody that Legal Rideshare is here if you get into an accident or sustain an injury. Um, our law firm has helped drivers secure millions of dollars for things like medical bills, lost wages, pain and suffering, and any other 
damage that they sustain. So um, if you get into an accident, call us right away. Consultations are always free. We'll tell you exactly what you need to say to the insurance company or how to best secure the right outcome for your case. Um, you know, LegalRideshare.com is the best way to get in touch with us. So please do not hesitate. Um, we are here for you uh, when you need us. Thank you, Brian. And as I like to end every show, that is the end of this week in Rideshare. See you next week.